Hi, everybody, and welcome to Therefore I Geek, episode 131. I'm Andrew. And I am Darmok Angelata at Tanagra. All right, this episode's fucking done. You're... Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck <laughs> I you. Last night. No, I, oh, I hate that episode. God, the, that, oh, that is one of the worst episodes of that entire sh show. It oh, it, just, it makes me angry. It is a pretty terrible episode, but, like, I'm enjoy I'm rewatching season five. I'm, I'm, I just got watched the episode where their, their memories get wiped out, and Riker basically bangs the ridge off Rolaren that whole episode nice that I forgot that part season five is when they start we'll talk about it maybe a little bit later but season five is where at least next gen appears now that I'm looking at it more critically starts to loosen up a little bit there's some there's a little more fun in season five than there is the previous four because that's been my criticism so far is is it's not that's a buttoned up show but season five has been a lot of fun yeah becky and i are almost at the end of season four we just did drumhead a couple of nights which ago which one was drumhead give me a plot drumhead is the the kangaroo court oh where Riker is accused of killing this dude no no it's where there's the explosion on the enterprise they find the klingon saboteur right and they end up putting this medical assistant on trial and they end up putting picard on trial yes yes i remember the, um, like the old admiral and her staff and she starts yep. freaking out of people that yep. that i enjoyed that one i that is one of the best episodes of the entire series by by far. Yes, I enjoyed that one very much. I came downstairs and Becky was because Be uh, I think she think it was the last last episode we recorded. Becky had finished watching the episode I he, she and I had started, and then I came out to record and I came back down and she was watching that. I was like, oh, it's a good one. Yeah, that was a good. I enjoyed that one very much. Okay, so let's just dive into this. We have been chronicling on this show the rise of the Disney Empire. A couple of weeks ago, we covered their streaming service, and now today, like if we recorded, we're recording on a Monday. We normally record on a Sunday. Yep, we're recording on a Monday. Had we recorded Sunday, this would not have made the, the cut of the podcast because this broke like five hours ago. Yeah. And to me, this is a bit of a bombshell, but it's still like a rumor. But this is a rumor you want to hear about. It's a uh, rumor is... that is being picked up by legitimate sources like CNBC. Right. So head, this is a CNBC headline. 21st Century Fox has been holding talks to sell most of the company to Disney colon sources. Because we are in the age of just sources. Sources. But nevertheless, this is coming right from CNBC. 21st Century Fox has been holding talks to sell most of the company to Walt Disney Corp, leaving behind a media company tightly focused on news and sports, according to people familiar with the situation. The talks have taken place over the last few weeks, and there is no certainty that they will lead to a deal. The two sides are not currently talking at this very moment, but given the on-again, off-again nature of the talks, they could be revisited. For Fox, the willingness to engage in sale talks with Disney stems from the growing belief among its senior management that scale in media is of immediate importance and there is not a path to gain that scale in entertainment through acquisition. The company is said to believe that a more tightly focused group of properties around news and sports could compete more effectively in the current marketplace. So what's interesting is, if we, the article continues, for Disney, the opportunity to take control of another movie studio and significant TV production assets as it raises a direct-to-consumer entertainment streaming offering is attractive as is Fox's significant exposure to international markets such as the UK, Germany, and Italy, both through its networks and 39% ownership of Sky, which is a news organization. Uh, specifically based out of Britain. Right. Disney recently announced it would pull all of its movies from the Netflix platform and will establish two direct-to-customer offerings, one for sports and one including its key franchises such as Star Wars and Marvel. And then 
the rest of the article kind of flushes out the, some of the other. This is really interesting because we talked about Disney going direct to consumers and it looks like they're really serious about it now because an acquisition of Fox would That's a huge be amount of content. Huge, gigantic. Because not only do you have to think of all the films that Fox has access to, which actually right. goes back for quite a ways because 20th Century Fox has been making films for a long time. Very long time. And this is a huge film catalog. But you're also talking about the Fox television network. And FX and National Geographic and a number of other uh, other channels. Right. So that means you get access to things like The Simpsons, mm-hmm. Family Guy, Futurama, all those kinds of shows. And also that, and, mean, also that means Disney controls two of the four major networks. Correct. Because they, they also own ABC. Yes. Well, yeah. They, it will, they'll own their entertainment branch the only thing they won't get is they own abc news obviously but they would not have control over for instance fox news right but What's... but fox affiliate fox affiliate like local affiliates have their own news but there's mm-hmm. no national fox news outside of the cable which... no there's no yeah no broadcast fox as news. opposed to like the abc nightly news right what's interesting for geek fans is this could potentially merge the fox marvel properties with the marvel marvel properties right so this would basically which is, which is a big big deal especially for the geek world yeah this would basically bring all of all of the mutants all, all the x universe mm-hmm. and the fantastic four back yes it's interesting i actually i was listening to the radio coming home from work and they call it the x-men universe that's how they were advertising it it was a radio ad for the gifted and it was like a new show in the x-men universe yeah so that's apparently what fox has been calling it now the x-men universe that's big deal uh, we, we're gonna keep an eye on this one yeah i really think this is something worthwhile it's, again it's all tentative it's all rumors and i'm what i would like to do in the future is i'm going to keep an eye on this and see what some of the industry experts are going to start saying about it because right now i think the the big article was from cnbc i haven't seen any of the other rags kind of do additional reporting on on it other than kind of quoting what cnbc has been right, saying but i think there will be at some point in the not too distant oh it's, it's coming it's coming i'm this is, i'm going to find this interesting so oh, I big say, story this I, weekend. Say, the, I mean the one thing i'm excited about that for that though is fantastic four because they've mm. just been done so poorly like it's X, X, yes it's x-men fox. is a That's x-men right. is a big x-men's a big thing but fox has done you know it's a little hit and miss but fox has done generally pretty well with x-men mm-hmm. whereas fantastic four has just gotten progressively worse and yeah. there's so much potential there especially if you get the right people behind it yeah it, it very interesting po- prospect for the, the evil empire. <laughs> yeah, corporate corporate overlord. Yep, Lord Mouse. Big Mouse is watching. Okay. Big, yep. So, so the big news this weekend is Thor, Thor. Ragnarok. Yeah, starting off, it's, it's kind of entertaining. Our director here, Taika Watiti, was on stage at Deadline's The Contenders event uh, this weekend as Thor opened to $122 million. Uh, the article here quotes $118 million plus, but the actual number is $122 million. Yep. And as he's sitting drinking he says by the way this is whiskey and whiskey and coffee what's he mm-hmm. shared seemingly to explain his eccentric behavior which garnered laughs from the audience it's my opening weekend that i can say whatever the fuck i want you know what i'm gonna let, give him a pass on that yeah one. no no he, he's he's not wrong Watiti kept it honest throughout the panel discussion which was moderated by deadlines anthony dlsr dlf Fuck that. Whatever. Alessandro? D'Alessandro, there you go. D'Alessandro? Yeah, I, I guess that's okay. Yeah. When asked about why he decided to take on such a tentpole like Thor, money, straight up. He, straight he, up cash money. He's saying, saying he has two children who cost shitloads of money. <laughs> You're doing it wrong. <laughs> 
<laughs> he admitted not having much experience in this arena. Full disclosure, I've never made a superhero movie before. His movies were more around the budgets where he where he's cutting up carrots for the crew. So I thought Marvel didn't care anymore. He zinged. My strengths were tone and that's it, he joked, before adding more attributes like character, dialogue, and humor, which was clear. I said, you guys can take care of the explosions. I'll focus on what I've done before, he continued. And I didn't get fired because I'm a G. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's hard to argue with them. Yeah, I, I think pretty much everything he says is is spot on, including the reasons he was hired. Right. No, that that part I I absolutely believe. I mean, just to just to back up for a second, just so we could take a look at what he's done before. He's done kind of like these offbeat comedies. Like when he says, "I'm cutting up carrots for the crew," that's not an exaggeration. Like this, some of his movies include um, Eagle versus Shark, which I remember coming out almost ten years ago, which starred uh, the the guy from Flight of the Concords. Well, he's uh, also he's also directed for it, but so the Flight of the Concords. Right. Uh, he's been he's like in that kind of that crew and a couple other movies where I haven't seen Hunt for Wilder the Wilder People which I haven't seen yeah a bunch of like just small movies and a lot of television yeah that I also haven't seen and then he also before the uh, the Thor film he actually directed the two Team Thor shorts that were really pretty fucking funny mm -hmm. do you ever see those N Team Thor shorts no it's basically like what's Thor doing during Civil War where everyone's like oh, Team okay. Cap or Team Iron Man and right. it's Thor basically like moved in with some random dude and it's just kind of bumming around in shorts <laughs> yeah it's, it's actually really funny they're only maybe like five minutes long you know and it's basically his his normal uh i feel like i may have seen one of these now that you're talking about it you know his, his roommate's got like some normal job and it's just really entertaining yep and now to point out your the article in which we're talking about it's my weekend i can say whatever i want came out on november 4th so the estimates were a little off right now we're talking on the sixth and we've got a little more concrete numbers yep and if you remember last episode and you should have been listening damn it i predicted about between 110 and 120 and i was a little off because currently the current domestic gross for thor ragnarok for the weekend is at 122.7 mil right so you're off but you're off you slightly underestimated by about it was underestimated million. which I was really surprised. I mean, that I mean, I knew it was going to do well, but 122 is really freaking good. And for those who are interested in the history of this kind of stuff, that is almost double the opening weekend from the first Thor film in 2011. That put that puts Thor, I believe, it's seventh out of 17 for Marvel openings. And that's really, really impressive. And I think right now, I, I don't have it up in front of me. I should have, but right now, I believe Thor is four as far as opening weekends number for opening weekends for this year right behind here i got it now yeah right behind it so right now it's beauty and the beast guardians of the galaxy 2 it and thor yeah. for opening weekends i mean like barely right i mean barely behind it yeah ragnarok has shown up at number seven out of 17 for marvel openings yeah so huge 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 opening when i went to see it it was one of those movies where i knew it was gonna be big so i i freaking fandango did yeah and we were late getting out of the apartment we got in maybe 15 minutes before showtime the theater was already packed and settled and we were like in that front was like front five rows off to the left the, the seats that no one wants that's like when i saw lord of the rings two towers we were yep. in like the second row man trying to watch the battle of helms deep from the second row is tough oh yeah i know it's uh, when you do when you see an action movie like that it gets really really fuzzy and then you, <laughs> then you and the movie goes like oh portrait shot like close up of someone's face and it's like there's a giant face and then 
then back to like a fight. Yep. <laughs> like really, all you can make out are reaction shots. Yeah. And then like f mushy, mushy fighting, CG fighting, CG fighting, mushy fighting. Chris Hemsworth's face. Ah, uh, mushy fighting, mushy fighting, mushy fighting. Tessa Thompson's face. Yeah. Mushy fighting, mushy fighting, mushy fighting, fighting. What's his name? Loki. Why are you in this movie? Damn it. And that was that was basically how I felt the entire movie. Nice. So so what was what what are your initial feelings towards this film? So here's what I found interesting about the movie. What this is what I found interesting was it felt like. See if you thought we're thinking this when you saw or see if this rings a bell or, or knocks anything loose when I say it. This felt like two distinct movies and two distinct Marvel movies. The kind of new Marvel that is slightly more self-aware, has a bit more refined sense of humor and a bit more thought out sense of humor. And the old Marvel with the hokey villain and kind of the over seriousness that makes it feel goofy because second and secondly, I've just learned these are not my kind of movies. Like just it's the superheroes. <laughs> I just, I just don't it's get it. It's taking you this long to figure that out. I'm kind of impressed. No, I mean, like, I am, I'm a person of science, goddammit, and empiricism, and I need 17 fucking films to tell me I'm not about this genre. That's one of the other. But when Thor was on the planet, it was interesting, and and it had a tone and a rhythm and a kind of not a spark, but a kind of sharpness to it that was really interesting, and it kept the audience really engaged. My audience certainly was really engaged. My audience really dug the humor. I was lukewarm on the humor i kind of felt the jokes were a little too telegraphed with few exceptions like when thor threw the ball at the window and hit him in the face <laughs> that was like that was brilliant that was pretty good they did have some really good stuff in there but when you went back to the kate blanchett stuff it felt to me silly in a bad way like when she first shows up it was almost laughable like she looked so fucking emo when she first shows up on screen i almost laughed at her it just seemed dopey and they tried to break it up with with like her big introduction and they were like who are are you and she was like did you were you did you just not listen to a word i said but for the most part all the sequences with her felt like they were just trying to remind us that oh the story is actually back in asgard not on this planet even though what's on this planet is far more interesting because that's where all the interesting characters were that's where all the interesting events were so uh, so that was my overall kind of impression of it. So I don't know that I would agree. I I, I, said, I see where you're coming from. I don't know that I would agree. It feels like two separate films. I do agree with you that the far more interesting parts of the film were on Sakara And the fact that, you know, you kind of kept bouncing back to Asgard to kind of remind you that's where you, we should be focused. But it never really felt like a, a solid inclusion until everyone showed up at, at, in Asgard. Right. Until, until the end. And I think that hurt the film. With regards to the humor, it's funny because I think overall this is probably more your style of humor. And I think well, the context of it made me enjoy it more like if this were in a different movie, like if, if this same humor were in a Seth Rogen film, I wouldn't find it nearly as funny. You're probably right. You're, you might be really right. And that's why I'm trying to admit my bias up front. Right. Um, but I don't, and I don't want to say it was two different films. This was not a like a Inglorious Bastards where it did feel like it was two films smashed together. I think what I was trying to say, I should say it this way. It's two different tones. There are two clear different tones between Sakara and Asgard. And I, I think that it, it felt like it was old tone versus new tone. I don't know that I would say old. I, I I will agree that there are there are two very different tones. I don't know that I would say old old versus new. I'll agree with you on the new. I don't necessarily know that I would say agree on the old. It, 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 at least I know they were making attempts to change the whole. At least that matched the tones between Asgard and Sakar. I don't. To me, it didn't. It didn't land. No, they didn't. What they I, didn't match the tones at all. What What I did think of was. Did this pop into your head? I'm watching the film and I'm going, this is almost like they tried to match the Venture Brothers 
sense of humor with superheroes. It was like this could have been written by Doc Hammer and Jackson Public. Just it, it was it was obviously not them because it wasn't as funny. But um, it felt like that's what that's that's the vein they were trying to go for is a slightly more self-aware. But what held them back was they were like, but we still kind of have to take this part seriously. It was definitely more self-aware. Mm-hmm. It's been so long since I've seen the Venture Brothers, and I, I would have to do some further comparison to think about that one. And what I mean specifically is the the timing. It's just the the timing of the jokes and and the kind of rhythm it had. No, no, I, in, I, yeah, in terms I, of dialogue. I, I absolutely get what you're saying. I just, I, I would have to. You have to. Okay, so it didn't pop. Into, it no, it didn't pop into my head. head. I was, I was, it popped into my head because I'm trying to like put the whole thing into context. Right, because it feels uh-huh. familiar from somewhere, and, you, and you're trying to place it. Yeah. It felt, I was like, ah, this rhythm seems, seems like it works. And I think, did you appreciate the kind of throwing in the kind of characters from the other films the way they did with throwing in Banner, throwing in Doctor Strange, bringing Loki back, which, was that okay with you? Were you fine with all that? Because it appeared that my audience really liked it. Yeah, I mean, I thought the Doctor Strange part was funny just because he kept bouncing him around and Thor was just had that what the fuck moment like ah right, stop yeah. it St- yes yeah yeah that and uh when when dr strange finally brings loki back he's like i've been falling for 30 minutes that was a good line yeah especially because you're that like was you're, you're just like was, was he like timing it or right no i thought that was a good line i, and very I also wily like coyote the, moment right and he he gets up and he's like about to kill dr strange or trying to you know, try and kill dr strange and I was like, okay bye and he just yeah. throws a portal yeah yeah i just it, it kind of felt funny he was like ah oh, dr strange is in this movie hey we got dr strange in here okay he's gone well, All if, right. you, if you remember i mean some of that some of that exact footage was from the, from the easter egg yeah yes. from the easter egg from dr strange yes yeah, so i'm, I'm actually was... a little surprised they they used the exact same footage but that did strike me as i was like whoa that's the exact same scene (laughs) like that's exactly it it's the same scene except further fleshed out right it was but this is this yeah that's that surprised me i mean i I mean i knew loki was going to be a big part of it yeah he was i i just have to again one of these days i someone's gotta write i gotta read a dissertation on the appeal of tom hiddleston so i can understand it uh but someone who i do not need a dissertation on as far as appeal goals goes is tessa thompson she was fantastic no, I really, I, I, I really loved the. In general, even in the comics, I love the character of Valkyrie. I love her. I think I've seen her in a, a couple things. I think she's great. She doesn't have a British accent. She went with a British accent. I don't know why, but I'm okay with it. Like, it just worked. Yeah. It just worked. And I liked that this is the kind of character that, you know, like, washed up type, washed up war hero type character, and she's drunk. Yeah. And, and, and she has this whole thing. It's like, I'm not planning on stop to quit drinking. Like, that whole stuff, I thought, or kind of, I guess, a Han Solo rogue, like, I don't care. You got to kind of convince me to care again. Type or, when, act. or when she tells Thor he has until she's finished drinking, and she just downs it in about downs eight it. seconds. Yeah. I, he gets, like, halfway through, he's like, oh, that's, that's impressive. Yeah, I thought she she was my favorite part of this movie. If there was one thing that like brightened me up when when the movie was going on was any scene she's in, especially when she punches Tom Hiddleston in the face. That was I was fine with it. And and to a lesser extent, I liked the rock guy. I thought they did a good job with the rock guy. Oh, of course. You know, it's actually voiced by the director. That's the okay. I didn't know that. I didn't. I, didn't, that. I didn't either until until I looked afterwards. The Rock was funny, especially uh, Korg was at the end. Yes, <laughs> that's how they decided to end the film. Yeah, I thought the three though those were the three big gags I liked was the, I've been falling for thirty minutes, the ball, God, the ball and then so and then the whole thing where at the very end they're like, "What planet is uh he from? Oh, he's dead. I stepped on him like that." 
I, I liked that gag. Other than that, I had a hard time with the humor. And I think you're right. It's a contextual thing. Yeah, because I, I kept sitting here going, I'm, I keep laughing. I don't think under other circumstances I would laugh. Yeah, and I feel like I'm sitting there going, I'm not laughing. But I could. But these are clever. Right? <laughs> I'm saying some of these are pretty clever. Yeah. But I'm not happy. So I, I agree. I think my bias came into it. What did you think of uh, Carl Urban's character? So the one thing, I'm glad you brought Carl Urban up because clearly – he has trans-dimensional pockets because where the fuck where is he hiding those M16s? <laughs> that was something. Uh, you know, Carl Orban, I like Carl Orban. Looks like he's put on some weight. Yeah, though you it, know, may, it might be the armor. Might be the armor or he, I mean, I was like, I was talking about his face. But, uh, you know, the character, I was just like, okay, he's here. He had a couple, they tried to kind of make him funny in the beginning. And then he just, he's just kind of there for the rest of the movie. So I wasn't particularly impressed with it. I may, Maybe you can make an argument he was underutilized, but I don't know how else you would, um, use that character what i found more interesting was the way they unceremoniously diced the kind of crew from the first thor yeah i was actually i really liked the warriors three and i was disappointed that they got cut down so quick i i mean i'm a huge I mean, fan of like, ray stevenson and i was disappointed by that that's what i was interested because in, i'm watching it going hey these are the guys from the first oh, they're gone okay that right. was um that was it. That was there. That okay. Like yeah. not even like just dead. No, no, no moment to kind of like, hey, these were the guys from the first movie. Isn't it sad they died? It's like, nope, they're just dead. There yeah. they are, and they're dead. And, uh, I mean, you... I get why they did it. One, it's just a lot. It'd be a lot of other characters. Sure. And two, no, I get two, it. they're they're trying to build up Hela's cred as you know being you know over the top dangerous, which I didn't really buy. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I get it. She's the goddess of death. You don't have to convince me right she's, she's the goddess I, I got it but yeah the way they just died i was like whoa that was interesting i wonder what fans think of that yeah, that was that was but an interesting choice i mean i'm sad what but... i what i didn't notice is and I, I haven't seen the first one in a while it's the dude with the beard the japanese guy other nondescript white dude and the girl yeah where'd the girl i didn't i saw the other three guys sif, die sif where'd was, she go sif was not in this film just wasn't in it nope okay there were i have seen explanations online and i cannot for the life of me remember what they are i didn't see the second one was she a part of the second one yes okay did they send her off to do a mission or nothing that you could remember not that i can remember okay so it's a potential she might pop up in infinity wars then i, I would i would expect it yeah okay i would like her to die just as easily i just enjoyed them just getting wiped out like that i was like okay the, the other character i was unimpressed with was heimdall was idris elba again he's just he's such a good actor and i was kind of <sighs> going eh I don't okay Idris Elba's here yeah I, but here's the thing I've always felt that way about almost every movie he's in I forgot I, I had forgotten about that character until you mentioned it so I, I I would agree with that there was just really nothing there for him other than I can see stuff yeah and he had a big ass freaking sword yeah the other one that I love the one I love Jeff Goldblum in this because it was Jeff Goldblum playing Jeff Goldblum as a character like yeah it's, it's Jeff Goldblum's character of, of Jeff Goldblum yeah it, it almost felt like Jeff Goldblum as Ian Malcolm as the Grand Master right no and I, I I'm almost <laughs> certain they did that on purpose because oh, i really absolutely. feel like that's what fans wanted was when you cast someone like jeff goldblum you have to it's basically he is ian malcolm in every movie now that's just what we want and i'm okay with that yeah i think a lot of people would be okay with it. i feel i didn't I think, like i think jeff goldblum i think jeff goldblum oh see i thought that was hysterical he's like all right uh so it's a tie yeah I, that one was like ah, i would have been fine with the with him that left that kind of loose end left untied i was fine but 
Yeah, Goldblum. I I like the actor. I do like the actor. I can't. I have a hard time staying mad at Jeff Goldblum. No, well, because he's a fun actor. He's not. He's a fun actor. You know, he doesn't, I, I, he doesn't really do serious roles. Here's the thing. Up until recently, we hadn't seen Jeff Goldblum in anything big mainstream since like Powder or something. You know, like since 1999. It had been a while. So yeah, it's well, he nice. Took, to... He took a while off, and then he was doing one of the Law and Orders. Right, right. And that's the thing is, we haven't seen it. Like, just we, it's nice to see him back on the big screen. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, I'll agree with that. It was, you know, even though Independence Day 2 was objectively terrible and I wasn't particularly thrilled with Thor Ragnarok because it's just not my style, it is nice to see him. Like, it made me, it made me feel nice to see him. Made yeah, me feel good. I understand. Him. And he melted people, which was kind of... <laughs> yeah, why would you give me the melting stick? <laughs> I don't know. No, he just lied to me. He just lied to me. So what did you think of the the visual of Sakara? Because as a as the, the big comic book fan that I am, I really enjoyed it because it is super heavy Jack Kirby. Okay, so... See that I, here's here's what I thought about Sakara. If you have interdimensional portals that act as a like a garbage disposal, why not just put them over a sun? Like that was my first thought of like that's just not an efficient use of portals. Because I think they're not. I think they're supposed to be naturally occurring. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, I don't think they're artificial. I think they just. This is where everything is basically ended up. Okay, so this this hub of trans warp conduits is being used as a toilet then. Basically. Okay. I mean, doesn't make much economic sense because I feel like that Sakara would then be like the like the intergalactic version of Shanghai or of Singapore but instead it's a it's a garbage dump okay then visually i'll say the planet looked pretty good to me so i heard some complaints about the cgi especially during the fight scenes and again it's it was difficult for me because of where i was sitting in the theater there like was, i was there was only back. like one or two instances where i was like ah that was slightly dodgy but for the most part i didn't have okay. any issues with it i have to i have to plead ignorance on that one i could not see very well but as far as Sakara, I thought it looked pretty cool. Yeah, I, I I did find it funny how they just kind of glossed over how the Hulk got there. It was like, oh uh, no, Tony Stark's playing. They just they just got him. Yeah, he just he just there. He's just there. That's he was on Stony. Remember the remember remember Ultron? Yep that <laughs> and that's about as far as we got with explanation on that one I, I will say Mark Ruffalo did a really good job when he came back as Banner mm -hmm. of being just utterly confused and well, yeah, they did have a good line he was like I've been the Hulk for two years right. well not just that I like the description that he gave you know where before it was he and Hulk each had a hand on the wheel and now Hulk has the keys and he was locked in the trunk yeah no, I thought that was a good way of, of getting us to understand it. Yeah. And Mark Ruffalo's a good actor. He like, is. Like, he's just, he makes, even though, like, Hemsworth, I, I find Hemsworth just goofy. Like, as Thor, Hemsworth should really only be Thor because he's got the look and his cadence of voice sounds like he should be Thor. It works for Thor speak. It does. He has great Thor speak because if you listen to him in any other freaking film, he sounds goofy as hell. Yeah. Like, just really goofy. Where, and, and Mark the other Ruffalo thing is, is brilliant. I mean, things like Spotlight and. Right. Yeah. He just, he can do, he has great range Hemsworth is just Thor and I think that's a good way of putting it as Thor speak because well, so you, in his other movies you hear it that, and you're I like mean, that, that's what it's it was referred to in the comics because Thor speaks in this very kind of faux Shakespearean style or or did for a long time when you and I started reading comics on the the J. Michael Straczynski run mm -hmm. when we read Thor for a little bit that was kind of the end of Thor speak oh I knew he had that kind of semi thou and thy and thus type speak but Hemsworth has his own well, cadence he, he has a cadence that that works well enough to deliver that kind of dialogue yeah, now luckily, I don't think they've really gone heavy with the, the Thor speak, like the old Thor speak. Not not but too terribly. It's it's Hemsworth Thor, and that's it works, but my God, when, it, when it's any other movie, it's just goofy. I, I will say, there was a lot in this for comic book fans. I'm sure there were. 
I bet you I bet you that was the case. Like the last stand of Scourge. Mm-hmm. That was in the comics that's a lot more impactful in part because at that point you've been dealing with, you know, Scourge Scourge has been a character since the early days of the Avengers, the execu- the executioner. Mm-hmm. And so I mean he shows up back in a, back in single digit Avengers issues. Right, okay. So so by the time that happens in the mid that scene happens in the mid 80s in the Simonson run on Thor, mm-hmm. you've got a lot more invested in the character. So cuz like I thought it was it was nice to see that moment, but it wasn't it wasn't any Anywhere near as big a deal. Scourge is not in the second film, is he? No. Okay. Um, I don't remember him in the first one. No, he's not in the second film. It's implied that he is in Thor's army in the beginning of the second film when he meets Thor. Uh, when mm-hmm. Thor first shows up, Scourge says, uh, you know, I, I, I fought with you at, I think it's Vanaheim. Mm-hmm. And that's the implication is that he was with oh, okay. Thor during the pacification of the other realms in the beginning of, of the Dark World. Got it. So, but yeah, this is the first time we're actually seeing the character. Uh, I was a little disappointed we didn't get the final Infinity Stone. We're missing one still? We are. We're still missing the Soul Gem. Okay. Um, a lot of people thought it was going to be. It's thought that it was Heimdall somehow, like mm-hmm. his, his eyes or something. Mm-hmm. But uh, didn't get that. Oh, hey, did you catch the actors in the Loki play? I they I heard people laugh, and again because of my angle, I had a hard time recognizing them. I so there was something familiar about them, but I couldn't pick up on it they should be because so actor thor is liam hemsworth who is chris Hemsworth, okay, the brother the brother yeah. actor odin is sam neill and act- i missed that yeah i could i didn't recognize him actor loki is matt damon no nope. see i, cu- I couldn't oh no like I'm, i sat there looking going is that matt damon no i saw it and again maybe it was because the angle i was sitting at my first thought was are they all midgets <laughs> Like literally, like my first that would have been spectacular. That would have been spectacular. I literally thought we were watching dwarfs play the role. Like that's what I thought the first time. Oh no, that would have been hysterical. Just because the angle I was at was so bad, and then at first I was like, then it was like my head was on these are dwarfs. So is one of them Peter Dinklage? And I'm like, no. And then I just kind of zoned out. Like I, I went back into like zone out mode. Yeah, it's it's funny because the 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 actor. Actor Loki is Matt Damon. Matt Damon's put on a little weight. Yeah, he has. Yeah, that was the other thing. Is, uh, yeah, he definitely has. That was a funny little. little yeah, touch. the audience reacted to it, and I couldn't. I heard the laughter. I couldn't, and couldn't I was like, figure out I, why. I couldn't figure out what it was. And again, I just I tried, and I again my first thought was they're dwarfs. And then I, t- I zoned out. Yeah. So the I, Easter egg, the first one, the one, the meaningful one, we I assume that's Thanos's ship, right? That that's also what I'm assuming. Okay. It's a little bit different than Thanos's ship in the comics, but okay. I think that's the the, the safe assumption. I actually I did love that when when Hela's walking through the armory, she looks at the Infinity Gauntlet, knocks it, and goes fake. I did like that too. That was a fa- nice touch. Fake, I thought that weak, was a good touch get, for a family for uh, for the fans. She gets to the Tesseract and goes, hmm, impressive. Right. <laughs> Honestly, I, I I liked the opening. Other than I thought the you of immigrant song was a little uh a little too on the nose yeah yeah i thought but so I, too i really especially at, by the end of it we, i was it worked for the trailer but i don't think it, it worked in in the film but i really did like the opening when where he's fighting uh sarder i thought that was hysterical yeah they kind of used they used it twice or did they use it a third time with i know they used the beginning and the end did they use it with the hulk or no no they just used it those two times Two times, yeah, because that was like they were gonna make immigrant song. Like it felt like they were gonna try and make this Thor's ass whooping song. Yeah, when like Thor gets ready to whoop ass, we're gonna hear the immigrant song. I would have liked to have seen when when Thor really starts to become God of Thunder. Part of me was debating in my head if he starts pulling off Mortal Kombat moves like from the game as Raiden. I don't know if I'm gonna like it or not. <laughs> Like I, I really expected him to do that kind of full 
like that full spread out like flying charge that Raiden did from the first couple games. Yeah. Or he still probably still does. Like I was waiting for him to like just fly forward, like just completely planked out with his hands fully extended, just knocking everyone off the uh the, the rainbow way or rainbow road, whatever that was. Bifrost. Bifrost. It looked like rainbow. It looks like the road from Mario Kart. Yep. That's what I think when I see it. That's it's Rainbow Road. I'm waiting for Mario. But we didn't he didn't like really do that. So I guess I should appreciate it. But part of me was <laughs> first thought was are they going to do Raiden stuff you know you know for as as you know humor filled and as goofy as the movie was at times there actually were some I think nice kind of character touching moments I think Odin with Loki and Thor was a good one I think there were a couple between Thor and Loki and I think there's a couple good ones between between Banner and and Thor and then you have moments where you know Banner decides to turn into the Hulk throws himself onto the Bifrost and it didn't go well no it didn't that was one of those gags where I kind of rolled my eyes because I kind of saw it coming. Oh, no, I, I absolutely saw it coming, but at the same time... The... I feel like they tried it before. This is like a repeat. Didn't, I feel like this happened before. Banner's going to be Hulk and he, and he Fs up. No, 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 no but it's, it's a reverse of what happened in Avengers when he goes, that's my secret, I'm always angry, and just Hulk's right. out on command. Right. It's, basically, it's basically the inverse of that. Okay, but there wasn't a moment in the second Avengers movie where he kind of flatlines on becoming the Hulk? Um, uh, You might be thinking of... So he Widow tries to talk him into being the hulk and he tries to say no and she pushes him into the pit and then the hulk jumps out Mm -hmm. that might be what you're thinking of okay it's something about that gag felt familiar and then and i'm like all right so then it was just it was very obvious it was very telegraphed yeah and then and then you're like and now now he's gonna grab it by the tail oh look what happened yeah the the part i loved about that though was like the way he landed like he actually looked like he fucked himself up no he looked hurt like they had his eyes like rolled up into the back of his head and and like I want to say, like, his arm was bent in a really, like, <laughs> not good direction. Yeah, it just, I was like, I looked at his eyes and I was like, whoa, those, he's done. Yeah, yeah. He, that's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna be sore. Yeah. But, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Yeah, I think the fans of Marvel, I think this movie's gonna carry some good word of mouth. I mean, so, I, so far what I have seen it is definitely doing so. And I think this was the Thor movie fans have actually wanted since 2011. I don't, even though, if you look at the um, comparison between Thor Dark World and Ragnarok, or you know, Thor One, yeah, Dark yeah. World and, and Ragnarok. You know, fans have been turning out for it. Like they've they've come out and they've really seen it. Just when I talk to people about Marvel movies, the Thor movies don't get mentioned with any kind of reverence that I've noticed. No, they really. Don't. I don't know. If, yeah, okay. I don't know if it's and, any different and, and I, circle. I like the Thor films more than most people, but yeah, that's true. That's, cer- a, that's they're a certainly thing I haven't not, been able to figure out yet. They are certainly not the strongest of the Marvel films, at least as far as I think fans are concerned. I think even just in general in terms of mm. story and in production i don't think they've been as strong so i mean i like again i never liked the first one i still would like to sit down and just check out the second one. but this one seems like okay this is the kind of movie that fans and and casual fans will turn out to see yeah and, no i think so i think marvel is moving into a kind of a new formula of this we're going to add humor but we're going to be smart about our humor we're not going to be like stupid campy right it is still marvel formula but it is the right. formula evolving yeah. Yeah, it's not a revolution, it's more of an evolution in their yeah. in their approach. And I would be interesting to see is again just comparing the numbers between Thor 1 and 2. The second weekend drop for Thor 1 was like a negative 47%. The weekend drop, second weekend drop for Thor 2 was negative 57%. Even though that went on to gross, a uh, domestically gross uh 206 million more than its predecessor. Yeah. Next week there really isn't anything out of any note. So I'm curious to see 
what that drop will be because I think fans have really liked it. The word of mouth is going to be really good. Critics have been pretty good to it. So I'd be really curious to see what the drop is because it's the 17th is when we're going to see Justice League. Right. And then I expect a pretty big drop because by that point, everyone's seen, everyone who's going to see Thor has seen it. And now we're on to Justice League. And I'm curious to see how that's going to do. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see that, that comparison. Because as we talked about it offline a little bit, the, their tracking numbers are similar to Thor's between 110 and 120. Uh, the high end from uh, boxofficepro.com or, or boxofficepro, I saw at 150. That seems that seems uh, optimistic. Very optimistic. Like I'm trying to like very optimistic is a kind way of putting it. Yeah, I almost said stupid. Um, I've I've talked to a couple friends and they were saying 140. I'm gonna stick with the between 110 and 120 and see how it, it turns out. All right, folks, if you like what we do, make sure you head over to thereforegeek.com. Check out our blog posts and our podcasts. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and you can find this podcast and other podcasts like it on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher. <laughs> so once again, I'm Andrew. I'm Dude. And you've been listening to Therefore a Geek.